Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. As we continue our study in this very wonderful and very practical book, we're still in the first chapter James chapter 1. I was sitting there just a moment ago as we were worshiping and my mind went way back to a long time ago. There was a preacher in this county that I would invite to preach for me and did on many occasions. I heard him say this repeatedly. He said, good singing makes bad preaching sound good. Well, if that be the case, I can assure you this will be good preaching today. Wow. Thank you, praise team, orchestra, choir. Thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. James chapter 1. We have been in a study now for about five or six weeks, and we're actually just getting started. We'll go all the way through the book of James. And... This is what we've learned so far. We've learned that in all the many trials and tribulations and difficulties and hardships and temptations that we face in life, we are to count it all joy. We are to thank God that he is allowing us the opportunity to serve him even in times of difficulty. We are to count it all joy. We're to understand that God is always up to something good, and all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. The second thing we're to do is to ask God for wisdom. On a daily basis, when we are face-to-face with things that we don't understand, we can't figure out, they're perplexing to us, we don't have the answers, the Bible says to ask God. And it says if we'll just simply ask him, we are his children. If we ask our Heavenly Father, he'll give us wisdom. He'll show us what to do. He'll tell us what to do. Now, the, the one exception there is it says you have to ask in faith. You can't be wavering. You can't be up and down and hot and cold. So we count it all joy, and then we ask God for wisdom in each of these situations in life. We don't rely upon our own understanding. We trust in the wisdom and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And then... The Bible teaches us to boast in the Lord. That was the third thing we looked at. Good or bad, sink or swim, live or die, whatever happens, you've been saved, you've been redeemed, you've got eternity on your resume. You are going to heaven. You will spend eternity with the Lord. And the Bible says that if you're a rich person, boast in the Lord. If you're a poor person, boast in the Lord. When times are good, when times are bad, it really doesn't matter. Just boast in the Lord. Why? Because the fact that you have been saved and redeemed and forgiven and he has brought salvation into your life overshadows and outshines everything else. Nothing is so important as that. And then 
we started looking at the subject, stop losing your temper. And today will be the third and final message under the title, Stop Losing Your Temper. I think this is a needed subject for our day. I I heard about a man who was very volatile and angry and explosive all the time. And yet his wife, on the other hand, was a very calm person who never got upset. Nothing ever bothered her. And one day he said to her, he said, I just don't get it. He said, it just doesn't make sense to me. No matter how angry I get with you, no matter how mad I get with you, you never fight back. How do you control your anger? And she said, I just cleaned the toilet bowl. He said, well, how does that help? She said, I use your toothbrush. Now, I shared that with you for a reason. Because there are some very loud, angry people in the world, and there are some very quiet, angry people in the world. But anger is anger. And the Bible is teaching us that we should avoid anger, that we should be slow to anger, that we should not go in that direction, that anger is not to be a part of our lives. Now, in our first message on stop losing your temper, we looked at the subject that we are to stop losing our temper and we are to start enduring temptation. What that means is, is that God has us on a mission And that every day in our lives, we will be facing temptation. We'll be facing difficulties from the tempter himself, Satan, from the world all around us, and even from our own internal desires. But what it means is that we as Christians have crowned him king and lord of our lives. And we are ready and willing to say no to the enemy, no to the world, and even no to ourselves that we might walk with him, that we might endure temptation. And what the Bible teaches us is there is a great reward waiting for those who calmly and faithfully put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and walk with him all the way into victory. And then the second message we looked at was stop losing your temper and start trusting in an unchanging God in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You see, friends, with our God, He does not vary. He does not change. The light of His truth produces no shifting shadows. Our God is fixed. He hasn't changed His mind. He hasn't changed His mind about sin, about salvation, about heaven, about hell, about eternity, or about anything else that's written in His Word. God is an unchanging God, and His plan is still on course. Friends, don't be deceived. God's plan has not been derailed. He does not change, and he's still in charge. And because of that, you and I do not have to fret. We do not have to worry. We don't have to be upset. We don't have to get angry when things happen in this world. Why? Because we serve an unchanging God who is still in control. Now, if by chance there's somebody here today who thinks maybe that these messages have been much ado about nothing, that I've been exaggerating this whole thing about losing your temper. If by chance anybody here feels that way, then I just want to tell you, you're wrong. 
And the reason I know you're wrong is because it's one of the major themes in the Bible. For instance, Psalm 37, 8 says, Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Proverbs 14, 17 says, A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Proverbs 14, 26 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. I want to tell you, there are hundreds of these statements in the Bible, and that's not an exaggeration. Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgressions. Child of God, can I tell you this morning, I need to stop here just for a moment. You don't have to take issue with everything. You don't have to take issue with everything. God did not appoint you a spiritual policeman in the world. There were things happening all around Jesus in his day that he never even mentioned. Sometimes it's just our glory to be quiet just to know that God's in control and he will take care of it. And his glory is to overlook a transgression. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go. The Bible even discourages us on the subject of anger. Don't be angry, but don't make friendship with an angry man. Don't go on a trip with an angry man. And why? It tells us in the next verse, verse 25, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. You see, friends, anger and resentment and, and getting upset all the time is a snare for your soul. Proverbs 29, 11 says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Proverbs 29, 22 says, An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. The reason I'm sharing these with you is because I want you to know we're on track and we're on target in this scripture. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of, say it with me, fools. That's God's word. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I, I want to just lift two out of there. Let all wrath and anger, all wrath and anger be put away from you with all malice. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, here, here is the one exception, the clause that the Bible gives us. And, and no matter how hard we try, there will be times we will get a little bit angry and upset at things. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says the moment you start getting angry, at that moment you need to go into not damage control, but damage prevention. The moment you start getting upset about anything, the first thing that you should think about is sin. I have to be very careful in this situation 
that I don't sin, that I don't step over the line. The moment you start getting angry and upset and frustrated, you have to start thinking about sin. Make sure you don't say or do something that will, that will mess up your witness and your testimony. Make sure you don't do or say something that will hurt another person or keep them from coming to Christ. Make sure you don't say or do something that will disappoint your heavenly Father. Make sure you don't say something that will cause you later to have to hit your knees in repentance. You see, the moment you start getting upset, the moment you start getting frustrated, you need to start thinking about sin. And that's the first thing. But on those rare occasions, and they should be rare in our lives as Christians, on those rare occasions when we do get upset and we do get angry and we are given to wrath, first thing you do is you make sure you don't step over the line and sin. The second thing is, is you don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now I've laughed about this one because this is kind of funny. It's kind of like God says, if you just insist on getting angry, I'm going to give you a 24-hour limit. You can't be angry over 24 hours. Can't let the sun go down on your wrath. Next time you're talking to a Christian that's all mad and puffed up and angry about something, say to them, I look forward to talking to you tomorrow because this will be all gone by tomorrow. Because the Bible says you only have 24 hours to do this. You see, you get rid of it quickly. And why? Because if you hold on to it, if you hold on to wrath and anger, it's counterproductive. You see, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not produce God's righteousness and God's glory. Child of God, you and I are not capable of getting angry and upset all the time and staying right in the center of God's will. So the Bible says don't go there. Don't, don't be a part of that. I, I would say that it would be difficult, if not impossible, for every last one of us in this building today to remember a time when we really got angry and it brought glory to God. See, that's just inconsistent. Wrath and righteousness just don't go together. Now that brings us to our final reason in our text why you and I should stop losing our temper. And here it is, I'll just tell you. The reason you should stop losing your temper is because you belong to God. You represent God. Here it is. You should have your Bibles open to James, the first chapter. We'll start reading in verse 18. And by the way, I think 18 is one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits. Of his creatures. So then, based on that, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Man, of his own will, he brought us forth. Listen to me, child of God. When you and I were born again, when we came into the kingdom, when we had a salvation experience, that was God's will. That was His work. That was His plan. 
That was his doing. He initiated it. You didn't just sit around one day and say, I think I'll start going to church and get right with God. Not how it happens. Of his own will, he brought us forth. That's an expression for birth, to be brought forth. And then it tells us how he accomplished that. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. (laughs) This is so amazing to me. Did you know that the two words that James used when he said by his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that those two Greek words are synonyms for the name of Jesus? Word is logos, or sometimes pronounced logos. Truth is the Greek word aletheia, from which we get our name aletheia. means truth. And And both of those Greek words are synonyms for the name of Jesus. If you go back to John chapter 1, you'll read, In the beginning was the Word, and it's that word logos. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. He is the Logos. He is the Word. Everything God wanted to say to us in writing, He put in His Word. Everything He wanted to say to us in person, He said in Jesus. He's the Logos. And not only that, He's the Aletheia. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He used that very same word. I am the Aletheia. I am the truth and no man comes to the Father but by me. Do you understand that when you and I were born again, when we were saved, it was because God initiated His will and He began to reveal to us the Lagos of Aletheia. He began to reveal to us the word of truth. It's as if James is saying That by his own will, he brought us forth by Jesus of Jesus. You see, God revealed his son to us. And we were saved. We were born again. He made new creatures out of us. You see, the enemy spends his time trying to get us to act like old creatures. But God has made us new creatures. And we can live like new creatures. And then it says this. This is... This is so amazing. He says, he tells us why. That we might be a kind of first fruits. Do you see those words? A kind of first fruits. This is a comparison, an analogy. The Bible is saying you and I as Christians are like the first fruits that come from a garden or farm. Now don't be insulted that God compares us to fruit. Because even Jesus was called the first fruits of those who will be raised from the dead in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Now friends, one of the reasons that you and I should listen a lot, a lot more than we do, and we should talk less, a lot less than we do, 
And we should stay away from anger and wrath. We should put it out of our lives. One of the reasons we should live quiet and beautiful and victorious lives is because we represent as first fruits what God wants to do in the lives of all of those who put their faith and trust in Him. We represent Him. We are the first fruits. You see, he says, by his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits. So then, be swift to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And I've already told you that word slow means just don't go there. Just don't do it. Stay away from it as much as possible. Why? Because we are the first fruits. I... I'm not, I don't have a green thumb. I'm not a good gardener. We have a, a, a gardener's group in this church, and man, I'm so proud of them and what they do, but I'm not a gardener. I don't have a green thumb. I'm, I'm not good at growing anything, I don't think. But I love tomatoes. I love fresh tomatoes. I love fresh vine-ripe tomatoes. I love a tomato sandwich. Whoo! Don't, yeah. Do, do, do I have an amen in the house? Amen. Tomato sandwich. Fresh tomato sandwiches. Good light bread. Don't give me any of that healthy bread. I like light bread with, with, with mayo on it. I, I, I don't want any of that light mayonnaise. I want the real stuff. I want mayonnaise on it. And then I want those fresh, vine-ripe tomatoes. I love tomatoes. And so on one occasion I decided, you know what? I admit I don't have a green thumb, and I admit I'm not a good gardener, but I'm going to plant some tomato bushes. I'm going to have my own tomatoes. And I talked to all the experts in the county that I knew, and they told me exactly what to do. I even had somebody tell me you need to... Talk to the plants. And I'm serious. I was so excited. Those plants came up and, and boy, they were growing. And I'd go out every day, drink coffee in the morning. I'd talk to my tomato plants. I'd tell them how much I loved them and, and how excited I was about the first fruits that would come. And, and, and I'd, I would pray. And I was feeling real good about myself. And then the blooms came. And, and then the little tomatoes were beginning to appear all over the bushes. And, and then they started growing and, and I knew the time was getting close. And I went out one day. And all of my tomatoes had developed this, this rot. This disease. I mean, it was horrible looking. I, I, I looked it up on the internet and I found a, a picture of what my tomatoes looked like. Oh, I, I, was, I, I, was, I was devastated. I'm telling, I'm telling you the truth. I, I, was, I was devastated. Can you imagine cutting into one of those and making you a tomato sandwich? <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, they were disgusting. And I was, and I was all disappointed. And I, I didn't hardly get any tomatoes off my bush. Now, 
Let me just stop right there. I've been preaching long enough. I know how it works. I know what happens immediately after the sermon. I'm going to have about 20 of you guys come up to me and tell me what I did wrong and how to grow ripe tomatoes. And I just want to tell you right now, don't do it. Don't do it. If you want to do anything, just bring me some ripe tomatoes. Just bring me some. I'll hug your neck and kiss you and tell you how wonderful you are, hoping that you'll bring me some more. Just just bring me some. But I want to tell you, I was so disappointed. Friends, take a good look at that picture. Take a good look at that picture. An angry Christian is like a rotten tomato. They're undesirable. That's still a tomato. It's just undesirable. But that's not what God wants out of us. God doesn't want us to be angry and upset and mad and losing our temper and all frustrated all the time. You see, we were brought forth by His will when He revealed to us the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits, something beautiful, something desirable, something attractive. I'm telling you, friends, that when the world looks at Christianity, we are the first fruits. We're the first thing they see. We're the first taste they have. We should be beautiful and attractive and glorious and desirable. The way we represent our God is more important than our own personal feelings. And and friends, I'm telling you the truth today. That is that God wants us to get this stuff. I, I don't know how many, 10, 15 verses I shared with you, many more. Wrath has no place in you. Anger shouldn't be a part of your life. You and I shouldn't be losing our temper and getting frustrated and being all sensitive and upset all the time. No, he's called us to be first fruits, to walk with the King of kings and to walk with the Lord of lords and to be his. I was in Coloto, Colombia, uh, getting ready to preach in a, a church down there. And it wasn't a very big church, but they managed to squeeze about 200 people in this church. And they had so many, they just stood up the whole service. It was standing room only. And when the pastor and I walked through the door, it was just, it was just amazing. It was electrifying, the presence of God. And we made our way through the crowd. And when we got right to the front of the church, I was just blown away. I thought, wow, what is this? What is this? I've never seen anything like this. And there's no way I can exaggerate. There was this table there. And on that table... There were just piles of fruit. And, and I'd just never seen anything like that. It was huge. It was, it was just uh, pouring over. I, there were bananas, and, and I don't mean little things of bananas. I'm talking about stalks of bananas. And there were pineapples piled up. And, and mangoes and papayas and, and tomatoes and just about any kind of vegetable, you and I would get out of our gardens and, 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 and dragon fruit and passion fruit and, and some of it they tried to explain to me what it was and I'd never seen or heard and the table was just, just bulging with this beautiful fruit 
And I leaned over and I said to the pastor, I said, man, that's the most amazing arrangement I've ever seen in my life. And he said, oh, pastor, that's not an arrangement. I said, what is it? He said, that's the first fruits that they're bringing back to the Lord their God. He said, they understand that all through the Old Testament that God made it clear that the first fruits belong to Him. That the first fruits were His. They were to be brought to the temple, the tabernacle for the glory of God. And they have brought the first fruits in to give to God. You understand when James says that you and I are the first fruits, that means that we don't belong to us anymore. We belong to Him. He owns us. We're in His service. We're to walk in His will. We're to do His business. We're to be His people. We are the first fruits. You and I are to be just like that table I saw in front of that church. We are to be there for God's service. You say, Pastor, that sounds like a a 100% completely sold out commitment. I hope it does, because that's exactly what it is. Oh, friend, really, it is time for us to start taking the Bible seriously. It is time for us to begin to understand that God wants us to count it all joy in every situation of life. He wants us to ask Him for wisdom on a daily basis and follow His leadership. He wants us to boast in the glory of our God and salvation and what it means to us. And God wants us to do this. God wants us to stop losing our temper, start enduring temptation and winning the battle against the enemy. God wants us to stop losing our temper and start resting in an unchanging God that's in charge and who will not fail us. The kind of God that Paul spoke of when he said, I am confident that that which I've committed unto him, he can keep against that day. And friends, God wants us to stop losing our temper and stop getting angry and upset and frustrated all the time because we belong to him and we represent him. I prayed long and hard over these sermons and I asked the Holy Spirit, I prayed this prayer. I actually wrote this prayer down. I said, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to close the service today? How do I close this service? And the Lord spoke to me so clearly. And so I want to share with you what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. Several times in my ministry, maybe four or five times, I've had an unusual thing to happen after a worship service. We'd be in a service like this, and the crowd would be leaving, and I'd be gathering my stuff. And I would see a pack of cigarettes on the altar. And the first time that happened, I thought, that is just weird. But then I started asking questions, and I found out. And then from that time on, I always knew what was going on when I found a pack of cigarettes on the altar. I knew that somebody in that service was battling cigarettes. And and somebody 
some child of God had come under conviction and they started realizing that smoking was bad for their testimony. That smoking was bad for their health. And that smoking interfered with what God wanted to do with them. So much so that they took a pack of cigarettes out of their pocket, somehow made their way to the altar, not with a lot of fanfare, laid it on the altar, made a commitment to the Lord, praying for his help and deliverance, and walked out with a brand new commitment. And, and, and so, to this day, when I see a pack of cigarettes at the altar, I just smile real big. I know what's going on. By the way, if you ever see me walking out of church with a pack of cigarettes, I didn't start smoking. I didn't start smoking. But I know somebody has just stepped in to a new walk with Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart so clearly about. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me to tell you that anger is a thousand times worse than smoking. Anger is a thousand times worse than smoking. Anger will mess your testimony up. Anger is bad for your health and your home. And anger will get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. Smoking may shorten your life a few years, but anger will destroy your life every day because it's a weapon of the enemy. I believe the Holy Spirit wanted me to say to you today that if a person has enough courage to walk down the aisle and put a pack of cigarettes on the altar, which, by the way, is a great thing. I love it. But, oh, friends, I want to tell you, Christian smoking cigarettes, I don't approve of it. But that's not wrecking the ministry of the church. Anger is. Resentment is. Frustration is. Us not walking out what this Bible teaches messes everything up. It messes your home up. Isn't it time for you to lay something down at the altar? Now, it's not a tangible thing like cigarettes, but isn't it time you lay anger down at the altar? Isn't it time you write in your Bible and put a date today? I laid anger down. Today I quit being angry. And I started trusting in the love of God. Put my faith in God. I got to quit being angry today. Isn't it time that you walk out of here free from anger? You say, Pastor, it's not that simple. Oh, friends, I, I, I beg to differ with you. I think it is that simple. I think the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ and the deliverance He's brought into our lives and the fact that He said, I came to set the captives free. I came to open prison doors. I came to set at liberty those who want to walk with me. It is that simple. It's not so simple for you, but you can lay anger down. You can lay resentment down and frustration down. You can stop being an angry person. You can lay it down at the altar and start a journey 
that will change your life, change your family, change everybody around you. Now, before I give the invitation, I want to remind you of the woman who cleaned the bowl with the toothbrush. And the reason I want to do that is because a lot of times we think about people losing their temper and being angry as these volatile, outspoken people. But I guarantee you there's somebody in this house today in anger and frustration and resentment has built up in your heart and nobody even knows it. But you know it. And God knows it. And God wants to say to you, time for you to start listening to the Holy Spirit. Time for you to stop talking so much. And it's time for you to put wrath out of your life. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.